You're listening to Going Legit. I'm Rachel Dorsey. In this special episode, you're invited to observe a one-on-one mentorship session with a creative, maker, entrepreneur, or a person who wants to be one. Our goal, as always, is to offer a window and a mirror to help you see a reflection of yourself and your challenge or success, while also seeing beyond your situation to what might be possible. This is Going Legit. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be sitting with you. I know that you have so many things going on, and I really, I want to just hear a little bit about uh, what you're thinking, what you're working on, and how I might be able to support you today. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm just excited to um, get the chance to talk with someone that I really admire. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm just at a place of a lot of transition in my life, as, as we all are in this larger um, sphere. But also, um, you know, recognizing that there's a place of integration and an opportunity happening, um, and I, I think what I'm really looking for right now, and what I'm really needing is kind of a sounding board. Uh, I have a hard time seeing myself clearly, or have had in the past, and I would love to just have some input around um, how what I'm putting out in the world is being perceived and how I can um, continue to serve the people that I've been working with in some of the ways that I have and tie it together in like a really pretty bow. Yep. Uh, I think one of my, one of my biggest struggles through this journey, I've been, um, you know, building my business for almost, almost seven years. And I mean, the first couple were like really rough, rough early days. Um, but you know, I just have a little bit of a, of a hodgepodge professional path. Like I really piecemealed a lot of different things together to have the autonomy, um, as a freelance, you know, educator and designer and over time have, you know, followed just my intuition to be able to weave it together. I mean, I knew in grad school, I graduated from grad school um, from an earth consciousness program doing studying transformative arts. And it was like a total revisiting to my roots from childhood. And that was how I just unearthed all of this amazing gold from very early in my life of like lifetime visions and goals and all of these different hobbies and I suddenly saw that like it, it, it fit, like all the pieces of what I was doing, the, the work in the community with kids and families. And anyway, I, I would really like, um, I don't have one big burning question per se, mostly I guess if I were to name one, it would be around like um, building audience, how to go about building audience. Who is my audience is probably like my one big burning question. That's what I wrote down. Who is your audience? <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm struggling cool. to actually identify. Great. Um, is because I, I've done educational consulting and, and teaching and program design with kids for almost 15 years. 
I've done parent consulting in early intervention and like on, you know, family teams for children that have different learning challenges. I've done consulting with teachers. Um, I've, I've built programs. I've, I've done workshops with adults um, that don't have kids. So it's all, it's like, I feel like my, my audience is everyone and yet that's way too broad, right? So yeah. um, how do, within the spectrum of like all the people that I work with, how do I narrow down, um, I guess, how do I hone my story? Sure in a way that allows me to kind of narrow in on who it is that I'm actually speaking to. And Great. most recently, I'll just share yeah. um, that as I've been, you know, really, really doubling down on my own personal growth, like hard and heavy these past five years, I thought I was doing the work, you know, 10 years ago when I was in therapy and um, it's a whole new level now and it's just, it's come full circle and it's very holistic. You know, I lost 80 pounds. I, you know, I've just been steady growing and reading and breathing and doing yoga and talking to people about all the things. And I really think that I have, um, a lot to offer and I just want to be able to do it in a way that speaks to the right people speaks to the people that I can help. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I think that that's incredible context and really is, is already starting to give me a sense of who and how you are. Um, for sure, I wanna talk about figuring, talk about both what you offer and who you can offer it to. Um, but to lay the foundation for that, I just wanna remind you that not everything you offer has to be for the same audience. You can, be, you can figure out an umbrella for your gifts and for your offerings to the world and serve that core value and serve that main gift to different audiences in different ways. So I know that there, there is a lot of pressure to hone, to, to like get really, really clear, to get really, really like, to define specific all of that, but um, I also think that there is a way to engage in all the things that make you feel whole and useful and validated. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out how we package it, just like you said. So I'd love to get a sense. Um, I know you make jewelry. I know you do education. In your own words, let's get a sense and let's actually write down the products, services, or concepts that you share with your community and forget about who the end audience really is at the moment. It's really just, I make jewelry. I do boom, boom, boom. I do da, 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 like all the things you do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my bread and butter, like my main gig is, um, designing educational programs and teaching them. Great. Um, so, and I've, I've, got a few people that I've hired that help me with that. Um, and training them has been like a whole other part of that because, um, you know, realizing that I have built a specialized set of skills over the last decade and wanting to make sure that they're, you know, able to bring their unique skills as 
artists and educators, but that they're also in alignment with some of the values that I hold around education. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yeah. So I'm going to pause you for a second. What let's try to do this in like a brain dump kind of way. Okay. Like cool. as if you were going to like post it, slam it on the wall, post it, slam it on the wall, okay. post it, like no details, Sweet. no validation, no description. I don't need to know how many years, but like okay. when you look at yourself and what you have to offer the world, let's uh -huh. just bang it out. Let's okay. list it. So, so the first one is you're an educator. The second is you're a curriculum designer. Uh -huh. What's next? Artist. Okay. What's next? Clothing designer. Jewelry designer. Okay. Uh, and writer. Okay. Anything else? I think that's it. That's very manageable. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a, it's a lot, but they all seem to fit together or at least in two pretty packages. Okay. So, so, okay. So this is what you do. So now let's think about your audiences. So you, you talked about children, mm -hmm. you talked about parents, you talked about just like adults who, is there any specific designation for these adults? Are they, are they gifted? Are they, are they self-employed? Are they, uh, you know, business people or artists? Like what, who, how would you, how would you categorize the adults that you serve? Um, outside of the parent role, which is the bulk of the work that I've done with parents or with adults, um, it has been a hard to get a pulse on it because a lot of it has been through um, community centers that kind of feed me yeah. clients. Yeah. Um, but my sense and just answering that off the, off the top of my head is these are hungry artists that don't, that feel disconnected from their art. Yeah. Love it. Okay. It's good information. So in your application, you mentioned that you feel like you're sort of on the precipice of something so big, it scares you. I want to hear what that is. And I know it could be scary to say it out loud, but tell it to me as if it's already happened. I co-run a community arts space and an educational center. I'm writing it down so we don't lose it. I co-run an educational art space and community center. Ah! <laughs> yeah. That makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. I we don't love even... that I said co-run. Thank goodness. <laughs> so yeah. talk to me about that. Talk to me about yeah. that. Partnership is really important to me. Okay. Um, collaboration is really important to me. Uh, I hold 
too many pieces by myself yeah. to, I think, fathomably weave it into something as big as a community art center. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that person in your life? I have a couple of people that I um, am close with and working closely with that I could see holding that space. Um, and also, I am a big believer in um, surrendering and not forcing anything. Sure. So um, in this current time and space, actually, the, the person that recommended I apply to your podcast is um, you know, Jade Rivera. She's amazing. And I've been working closely, more closely with her, especially since all of this has uh, transpired in the last couple months. So um, I don't, I don't know what her future vision is for Sunnyside and the school that she runs. I love being a part of it. Um, and I, definitely feel like a welcomed collaborator and I see a lot of opportunity and I think she does too but I also know that we're both just swimming yeah yeah and for sure trying to um you know hold a vision while also stay very actively engaged with the here and now of what's yes to yes to run the day-to-day -day. yes um and that's really, um, that's like the best case scenario that anyone can hope for right now is to be able to keep swimming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is such a heavy weight because of the situation that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And there's always a heavy weight for artists, for creatives, for people who are entrepreneurial, who are trying to dream something bigger and trying to will it into existence. So, um, what's so beautiful right now about that that collaboration and that relationship that you have with jade is that you have somebody who has started something from nothing that you can witness and learn from and work with and teach to and that is going to get you so much further so much faster than if you didn't have that relationship Absolutely. Yeah. So, so for me, what it sounds like to me is that you have a very clear vision for your future. You could use some support around owning it and feeling like you can really stand behind it. And like the vision is not too big for you because it's not, it's not too big for you. Yeah. Um, I guess I just want to add something to that and like, Please. thank you for that. I guess um, something that's come up for me, I mean, that's been my vision. I'll just like preface what I'm about to say. With, that's been my vision for 10, more than 10 years. I remember, I remembered that 10 years ago, having wanted that as a child with my mom. Like we talked yeah. about that when I was a kid. Um, yeah. And increasingly over the last handful of years, the reason that has scared me is because of the unwieldiness of trying to build something from nothing and managing all of these different 
contracts and projects. Um, and so all that to say that right now, as things have transpired the way they have, and I find myself needing to pivot like really quickly and offer all of these services online when it's all been in person, I've been questioning that vision, for lack of better words, questioning that vision, because I also want the sense of freedom that comes with having an online business, like being able to set my own schedule and run it from home. And I want to be, I want to have a family, you know, I'm, I'm in love. We want to have a family, some not too different distant future. And um, so it, it's almost like they feel a little incompatible. It's like there's this community arts center. <laughs> and then there's also like, I want the autonomy of being able to bring my gifts and services to the world through what feels like a more manageable platform of an online business. Mm -hmm. And how, mm -hmm. how do those two like visions correlate in a way that feels good? Yeah. So, so I definitely, um, you know, since you said you wanted to bounce some ideas, so let's just bounce some ideas. Um, I hate to say it, but I really don't anticipate things going back to like having kids in a classroom anytime soon. I don't, I don't either. Yeah. I don't. It. Great. Great. <laughs> You're that much further than those, you know, the folks who have not. And, um, that's the reality for at least a couple of years. I really, I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. You think it's going to be a couple of years? I do. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a scientist and I am not a doctor. I'm just a person who's reading a lot of information and trying to digest it and understand it. Mm -hmm. But if, if there's, there can't possibly be, be a vaccine for yeah. for 18 months and then that vaccine can't possibly be produced at a rate to vaccinate people for then it to work for a very long time. So I'm just like, I'm buckling up. That said, people, what this can, maybe it goes back to normal tomorrow. That would be great. Probably not going to happen, but we'll hope. But what this last two months has shown us and specifically you, because you've pivoted and you're doing all your courses online is that people are able to learn online. People are primed for it. And there is a market now that has, that is going to be both saturated and cracked wide open all at the same time. Hmm. So when I hear you talk about, um, you know, you want a sustainable life. You want to be able to like have an online business. You want to, you're talking about scale. Well, you haven't talked about scale, but that's between the lines, you know, like you want to do scale. You want to um, serve a lot of people. You want to have some flexibility, some autonomy, all those things. To me, that says online courses. Mm -hmm. To me, it says a suite of online courses and workshops that you develop that maybe even come with a kit that people can buy and then is shipped to them so that they, I mean, have you already thought about this? I'm seeing your face. I, I've started building, I, so I published a kid's workbook, uh, or like last year. And, um, one of the issues that I've had, like, I've even had some people want to order it, but I publish it by printing small batches at a mom and pop shop here in Oakland. And they say, I yeah. can't, 
even um, print it right now. So I've been turning, uh, I've been selecting specific activities from it into PDFs and I'm working on building out the shop online so people can just download a PDF. Yeah. Um, and then I'd like, yeah, I've been offering like small workshops and classes. So what you're describing is literally what I'm in the process of building. Great. Um, it's just been like, I, I've realized that I've kind of set out like my life's work. Right. And I'm in a very, I feel like I'm already starting over again in a way because it's the pivot, right? Like I was doing it all in person and now. Right. But you're not starting all over again because what you're doing is you're repackaging and you're repurposing your life's work into a yeah. different, uh, a different uh, delivery method. So you're actually just taking the next step. You're not moving backwards at all. You're, you're moving forwards very deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. Can you see that? Feels, I can. And I, and what I've also seen and what one of the like realizations continually that I've arrived at and that I want to share with, I think the adults that I want to empower, the, the other, I think entrepreneurs, the makers, the, the dreamers who have an idea and feel like it's hard to bring to fruition is like that moving forward feels really gritty. Like what people see as success, what my friends back home are like, good job, you're doing it. I'm like, thank you. And every step of it is like there may be moments of grace, but it is so grueling. Oh yeah. Like great. I won't say grueling all the time. Like there are great moments, of course, but it feels like steady failure. Yeah. What it feels like. As long as you're failing forward, right? Yeah. Like people, I mean, this is part of why I started the podcast to begin with is people, people have this, this like dream of entrepreneurship and this sense of, you know, that all of a sudden it just looks like a blank, you, you blink and then they're successful. And what nobody sees and what people don't talk about is all that, all that muck in between where it is the two steps, two steps forward, one and a half steps back, three steps forward, five steps back. Um, you know, like it's a game of shoots, shoots and ladders. Like it really, really is. And, um, it's hard. And there's a lot of mistakes that you make and there are a lot of failures and there are a lot of struggles and um, almost nobody is going to ever see those. And we have to learn to get a thick skin. We have to learn to be our own cheerleader because nobody, because at that point we don't have a boss, right? Nobody's, nobody else is trying to motivate us. Nobody else is going to say, you did a great job today. Go get yourself a foot rub. Like no one's going to do that. It's, it has to be us. Yeah. And you, you have shown that you can put in the work. You have shown that you can appreciate your moments of success. I mean, when you shared with me how far you've come, you know, in the last, you know, five, 10 years that you've been doing this, like doubling down on self-work, like you can do it and you can champion yourself. You just have to do it more. Not more work, more championing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That feels yeah. good to hear. So let's talk about um, 
Let's talk about how you're perceived for a second. Yeah. Um, because you, you, you said like, you know, I want to know how I'm perceived. Like, how do you think you're perceived? And then how do you want to be perceived? I'm not sure how I'm perceived. That's like, and that's not a don't, don't talk more about it type thing. I'm open to talking about it, but I'm actually not quite sure how, I think there's a, I can look, I can group people based on like, cause I'm from Texas originally, I moved out here 10 years ago. Um, so I think a lot of the people back home look at me and think, cool, she did it. She's out there, she's making it. Word, she, she did it. Whereas, you know, the people here have, have only known me, you know, 10 years or less. And I, I'm not sure how I'm being perceived locally by like the larger public, like as far as the social media sphere is concerned. Um, I have a, an idea from some of like my smaller collaborators, like um, some of my partnerships, the nonprofit that I work with, I know they perceive me really, though in the way that I would want to be perceived. Mm -hmm. I'll answer that question, um, which is someone who cares a lot and someone who has um, a lot of creative energy to expend and a lot of ideas to contribute. Um, I fear that I maybe am also perceived in that going back to that like larger sphere outside of some of those partnerships mm -hmm. um, as kind of the like Oh, she'll just try anything. She's just kind of like on to the next type thing. Like not someone who's really uh, woven together those those pieces in the way that I want have been working to. Um, and I think that's more my own. I think that's probably less about how other people see me and likely my own insecurity mm -hmm. um, and sabotage voices. Um, but how I would like to be perceived, yeah, as someone who has a lot of value to add and um, a lot of wisdom from trial and error and, uh, but yeah, someone who just cares deeply and is willing to show up and help people along the way. So I'd like for you to write down, I have a lot of value. Yeah, we need to just own that. You know, especially, especially as women, especially in Texas, um, it can be tough to grow up as a woman where we are, we receive a lot of messages that tell us that we're supposed to be this really neat, tidy little package. And not even from our core family, but from from society at large. And I, you know, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a psychologist, but from everybody that I've spoken to and everything that I know in my bones, it's like, these are all messages that were imposed on you. Like these fears, these concerns, I have them too. 
we all have some version of them and none of them, they all hold us back a lot and they keep us from shining because we're afraid of being judged, mm -hmm. but they're, they're not real and they're not who we are and they're not how people see us. Mm -hmm. And if people see us that way, then those people can like get to step in because they're <laughs> in your way and they're not supporting you anyway. Yeah. If somebody, if there are people in your life or if, you, or if we encounter people in our work who, who just want to harp on all the ways that we're going to fail, then they're not the right people for us. And we just need to like sidestep and then move on. Mm -hmm. You know, you have value. And, and like, I would love for that to be your mantra this month is I have value. Like say it so often, say it so much that when those voices start to pop up and you start to doubt your capability and you start to doubt the fact that all these things that you do aren't actually part of a really beautiful package that's like in process of blooming, that like that comes right out front and says, I have value, I have value. And then you move forward. Yeah. Does that resonate? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. My cat's chiming in to oh, yeah. cheer you on. <laughs> Perfect. See, when the animals, when the animals react, then like, you know, like you're having a witchy yeah. moment. It's good. It's <laughs> yeah. good. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about building an audience. Because yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned social media. Social media is a really, really tough nugget to crack. Um, especially if you're only really starting to put energy into it now, you know, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, what I'm saying too late, but everybody that's everybody, I have so many friends who are like crushing it on the social media. And every time I'm like, I missed the bus. I missed the boat. They're like, no, you didn't stop saying that. Just do your thing. And so I'm going to say the same thing to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you, have you been putting, um, I also want to say that like social media is not the only way to build an audience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you're saying that. And I've, that is, um, been a, a recurring thought for me that has, um, inspired me to reinvigorate my blog again this year. So, yeah. um, I had started one years ago and was pretty inconsistent with it. And then this year it was like, this is your year to be at least consistent with it. What does consistency yeah. look like? Uh, and for me, I was like, well, you know, ideally I would be doing it once a week, but what feels manageable is once a month. So that was what I have been following through on. Um, but I think that was also from the place of like, I actually think I have, a, I could, probably do it a lot more frequently if I weren't expecting like these like epic long, like I need to like re-approach, like change my approach basically. I've yes. been, I've been doing like, I was doing like really long ones because I was waiting and I had all this to say. And it's like, people don't want process. People want quick little like sound bite and like, thank you. That was great and done. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, people's attention spans are very, very short. They want bite size. They want snackable so that they can just like get it moving on. Mm -hmm. um, so I also want to remind you that you have a ton of content already built. 
So it's a matter of, again, repackaging, repurposing, and most importantly, getting the, getting the right hashtags. So online workshop, online classes, printable resources, downloadables, art for kids. Um, think about all the things that a person, uh, every time you're putting something up, think about all the ways that someone could search to find those things and make yourself a list. And of course there are lots of services out there that you can pay money and get like the best hashtags, the best SEO tags. You can do that or you can just like really put yourself in the shoes of the audience you're trying to serve with any individual piece of content and like create those yourself. And another way to do it is you can also be repurposing your social posts. So when you, um, you know, post a piece of jewelry. You can also post that on the blog and like talk about the materials that you use and talk about, um, you know, whatever. I think I, I do want to talk about for a second about how your jewelry is sort of separate from this thing. Um, because I don't think you should weave in your jewelry selling in with the rest of this stuff into into like, the educational art space and community center that you're yeah. building online to start and then maybe in the future at brick and mortar. Uh-huh. Like your jewelry, I think like, do you have an Etsy shop? I did and I shut it down because when I was building my website like five or six years ago, it was too much to manage the Etsy and build my website at the same time and I was wanting this integration around like, oh, I want everything to be housed in the same spot. That was part of my like way for myself to tie it all together. Um, and recently I've been toying with the idea of like, oh, do I, do I need a separate website for Cosmic Kit, like the consulting and the education work that I do? Or do I need to separate out the jewelry or like how, and it's grown so like, uh, intertwined that I don't know quite how to pick out the pieces that should be separated onto a different website. Yeah. So how, in terms of, in terms of finances, what, I don't need to know numbers, but what percentage of your income comes from your jewelry making? Yeah. Uh, that's actually changed. That's, in majorly in flux part of part of the reason being that um a pretty substantial chunk of the jewelry and clothing sales that i was making came from um, a partnership with a nonprofit uh here actually by lake merritt um called urban university and it's a really beautiful organization they have a, a storefront it's like a secondhand store but really it's a, a training training platform and uh, well job training and also resale to support their housing system for single mothers that are transitioning off of public assistance so that's closed down and I was making like I'd say probably 70% of my sales through that okay um, and so there's a very small amount coming through my website and since all of this has happened I've made like actually a pretty big push um, to get the word out about my 
website and I've increased my sales, my jewelry sales on my website quite a bit um, to offset that. So yeah, I'd say probably, oh, I'm not very good with percentages. Um, maybe like 20% of my income is coming from my jewelry. And was it more when 70% of your jewelry was being sold by this, by this organization? Oddly, it was about the same. It was about it was, the yeah, same. Actually, it was actually even less, I would say. Okay. Probably okay. even like 15 when it was coming. So through. what did you, what did you do to boost your online traffic to your website? I hit up my friends and I said, Hey, uh, I'm trying to beef up my sales on my website and I'm going to, without any pressure, offer you the chance to make a little bit of side cash. And here referral is, program. Yeah. I was like, Smart. Hey, here is your specific coupon code. If you want to shout it out to your people, I can track it back to you and I will uh, throw back 20% of whatever sales come through with your code to you. I love it. And, um, so smart. So it, smart. So it worked. Yeah. So, so that being the case, throw Etsy out the window, keep doing, keep doing that because affiliate marketing and network marketing, word of mouth, it's like the number, it's the best way to sell a product. And that's what your, your jewelry is a product. What I would say is that being the case, I think it, it can fit with everything else, what I would imagine, what I would recommend is that in addition to, um, I would like, I'm sort of visualizing it and it would be something like um, arts, crafts, and um, like the third pillar is more of like the educational stuff mm -hmm. that you teach. So like the arts are things like your workshop on whatever you do on this art, your workshop on that art. The crafts is more like my husband's turning it off. He must have set the alarm and then gone out the side door. It's all good. Um, I was like, what is that? I know that sound. It's not the fire alarm. Um, so arts is, do you, but do you know what I'm saying? Or maybe arts and crafts is one thing. And then it's like, you have the things that you have, your products that you sell, your clothes, your jewels. You also have the educational modules that you sell in all in that same zone. Yeah. I guess the way that I've been organizing it in my mind and I'm trying to let it come through yeah. on my website is like, um, clothing and jewelry as a, transformative creative process that brings what we're feeling internally out to the surface. Like there's a, there's a little bit of a transformative process that I have not really um, spoken about yet as far as like publicly to the audience. I'm kind of working my way up to that. That's a, a very private, like my own behind the scenes sure. um, thing. So clothing and jewelry is kind of like this one thing, this one avenue. Um, and then there is the, the program design and like education piece, um, the resources, right? 
So that's a pretty big pillar. Um, and then there's, and so, but the weaving, so then there's the art, like the art over here. The part that I've had a hard time fitting in or like weaving together because it does bring together so many different pieces is the workshops for adults that are kind of based more around holistic health. They are kind of art-based workshops. So I guess that could fall into the art category or the education category, but I don't know yeah. quite where to put them. Yeah. So, okay. So you talked about the, um, you talked about like the education and like, what was the term you used? It wasn't curriculum, curriculum design. What was it that you, um, you have your art, you have your, the education program design program design. So I encourage you to sort of start to like turn your thinking less of what you do and more of what people receive less of what you're doing and more how your audience is receiving it. So you are not selling curriculum design. You are designing something that is then packaged and sold. You are designing an experience, everything you do. Do you know what I'm saying? So like there is no category that is experience design. I can't, I, for some reason, like I can't get it in my brain, whatever the word is, I keep wanting to say curriculum design, but um, so I want to spend a little bit of time really fleshing this out, like your offerings. Okay. The, when you talk about the clothes and the jewels as, you know, this, like this uh, transformative experience, are you teaching people how to make it? Or do you have plans to teach people how to make it? Or are you selling it only? Right now I'm selling it only. Uh, although um, one of the projects that uh, I was working on right up until COVID um, was with the founder of Urban University, and we had been working on a grant to secure funding for a project, to, a social project to help the moms, um, to mentor them in how to sew and upcycle clothing and turn that into a business for themselves. Love uh, it. So that's like the long-term vision of where I want to go with the clothing and the jewelry is that I'm not just making it and selling it, uh, but that I'm teaching other people how to do that too. Yeah. So what that, what that is starting to say to me is that what you really are is an educational hub and you are a place that people can come for, a, for all sorts of kinds of, um, of artistic exploration and learning. And as I imagine it, it's like you would have, um, you would have either like a button where it's like for kids and for adults, and then your offerings live, all the offerings for kids, all the offerings for adults, or they're split between some other category situation where it's like, you know, painting clay and fabric or mm. art, craft and music or something, whatever it is, however you could categorize those. And then it's the, the course names and then the audience. So like intro to indigo dye for adults or like intro to tie dye for kids. Um, upcycling is a course. And then you also have as a 
whole separate thing, but still in your website, you have a page called your shop. And in your shop is where you sell the kits for people to just, cool, I bought the course, I bought the kit, I'm ready to, I don't have to go on Amazon, I'm ready to go. Or they, you know, are buying the course and they see that you're wearing these earrings in the course and then they go to your shop and then they buy the earrings. Or they saw that you did the upsell, ups, uh, um, upcycling, they go and sell it. Or maybe even some, like eventually you get to the point where you are doing these in person and you're, you're part of your uh, mission is a social impact mission. And maybe even your shop becomes the shop that houses these upcycled clothes that these women have made. And then you become the outlet for them as well. Does that sort of skeleton, is that starting to make a little, does that make sense to you? That, does that feel that better? A, that makes a lot of sense. And it, for right now, I feel like just because of where I am, it almost has to be separated by kids and adults just because of like what I've built, what's, sure. what's there. But I think eventually I do like the idea of, I don't know, I'll have to think about like how to classify it by medium, you know, or like what you were saying of like, what, like what it is basically. And then just specifying kids or adults on there, but absolutely what you said about having the shot. And it's funny that you said that I literally have a draft page on my website called shop where I'm bringing everything all together in one page and just organizing it in a way yeah. that's palatable um, so that it's not like, oh, this is one little shop and this is one little shop and this is one little shop and they just happen to be in the same, like side by side. Yeah. Because I would really like to offer that space to other makers eventually. Yeah, totally. And you can also, you can host other people's workshops on your site potentially and use leverage their audiences to get the word out about their course, which then gets you in the system, uh, which gets them in the system and onto your mailing list. You can feature other artists. I mean, I'm talking down the, down the line, but yeah. my record, you know, what you're trying to build is big and no wonder it's scary. There's a lot <laughs> of components. It's hard to know where to start. So, you know, what I'd like to do is use our last few minutes to just sketch out a few next steps for you so that you okay. can actually leave this conversation with some action items that will get you through this uncertainty and into the next step. Yeah. So do you feel, do you feel like you're prepared to start or comfortable recording some of these things? or even just one recording, testing out one workshop that you can record that's, that lives on your website as opposed to being a live experience that people come to at a certain time at a certain day? I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, yes, and I just led a workshop um, the other week and I had it in my mind to record it so that I could study it and possibly turn it into what you're saying. Um, but I was so in the moment that I totally forgot. And I'm going to be offering it again at the end of this month through um, the city of Walnut Creek and one of their art centers. And it's been, it's been like, I've gotten really great feedback on it. And I built, I've been like slowly building out the pieces of it. So I, I built, 
um, a presentation that lends to the online modality because it's always been in person, right? Um, mm -hmm. I have a I have a PDF drawing that they use prior to or since I don't have access to them through this platform leading into it, I use it as a like kind of a magnet afterwards for them to Great. reach out to me if they want it. Perfect. Um, and then I turned parts of the slide presentation and parts of the drawing, the PDF into images for the listing of it. So now I just need to, would I record it with the group? So um, you would use Zoom. So what you'd want to do is you would need to set up your own Zoom account, which you can do for free or very cheap. Um, and then what you would do is you would tell the city of Walnut Creek that you're going to be using your Zoom link to offer this workshop. And there's a couple ways to do it. One would be if they're feeling very proprietary about their audience, they might um, have to facilitate getting them the link. Otherwise, you can have people register straight through your Zoom, and then that will help you start building your email list. And then in the system, you can record it, and you can do it in such a way, you can go into the back end and you can set up the recording settings. You can just Google, how do I set the, do the recording settings in Zoom, and it'll tell you. Um, and you can make it so that it will record a couple different ways. It will, it will record the whole group, like the grid, and it will record speaker view only as well. And if you have it so that everyone else um, is, has their videos hidden, or you just pin your speaker view, then you, you, it will just record you the whole time. Then you won't have to worry about having anyone else in your audience. So you'll have two files that'll come. One that's just you, and then one that's everybody. And I know that that is like a lot of information all at once, but the point is, is it can be done through Zoom, where what you get at the end is just what you presented only. Yeah, and what I'm, I'm guess, I guess the, the, probably the question mark that you're seeing on my face is like, how, would they be down for that? Because I know that they're a little, like they're a little funny about their, their links and their people. So, so maybe what you do is you find out what platform they're gonna use. Zoom. Great, and then you say, fantastic. I wanna make sure whoever's, are you gonna be administering it? Like, are you gonna be, is someone gonna admin and then in, intro you? Yeah, so what they do is um, I, they send me the link. I join before the, like, the students get there. Uh -huh. um, and then once I'm there, they transfer the ownership. ownership to me and then they leave and then the students come in. Okay. Great. So you probably want to have a conversation in advance and just let, let them know that as you're building your content library for the future, um, you would appreciate it if we, if you could collaboratively set it up to record in advance. So, and then find a way for them to get you the file. You also, once you have the ownership of it, you can click the record button and record to this. You'll get two options, record in the cloud or record to this desktop. And you pick record to the desktop and it'll record to your desktop. Yeah. So I wouldn't even have to really talk to them about it if I do record to my desktop once I've got. Um, if you have it, if you own the rights to your content, which you should. I do. 
then there should be absolutely no problem with it. I think in general, if they're if, if they're going to be an ongoing partner, it's a good idea to just give them a heads up that you have that you plan to do it. Uh -huh. I would also say that um, it can be just as effective, if not more effective, to just record yourself doing it and forget and not at all commingle the class with having the audience, but really just set up your phone camera with a ring light in your home space and talk to the camera like you're talking to your and just lead the workshop okay and then you have more control there's fewer um fewer liabilities fewer things you have to worry about if you don't like how you do it you can redo it um, you can start getting more comfortable in front of the camera um but the again is like if, they, if a student asks a question that I'm answering and then it's kind of like tangential or not even tangential, but yeah. it doesn't really jive with like the arc that I would want to present yeah. to everyone. Yeah. And then it also makes it um, a little too anchored in time, you know, because if you're like, hey, everybody, you know, hope you're having a good morning or, you know, just little thing, little things that happen when you're doing something like this that take it out of, of evergreen. So, so without getting too much in the nitty gritty, and if we can have follow up conversations, if you want to get into the like full on strategy and tactics of how to do this. But as I see it, thing number one is it's really important for you to record at least one of your workshops just to see if you even like it, just to see if that medium works for you. And if you do, then you record a second and then eventually a third, and maybe you set it as a goal for yourself that you, you know, you re record one per Saturday or one every Sunday or whatever it is so that you can start building yourself a little content library. Mm -hmm. um, I would say in addition to that, it would be a good idea to sort of sketch out the sort of next iteration of your site. And in doing that, you're going to be mapping what your offerings will be. So follow that shop kids and adults or kids adults shop and like what are the four classes you want to offer for kids. What are the four classes you want to offer for adults to begin and start creating that content and matching okay. it up with with the downloadables and all of that. Okay. And this is like a few months of work. This is not a few weeks of work. This is like Easily. months of work. Yeah. Easily. Especially given the fact that my recent way of earning my income is all new. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So the last thing, da, 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 um, I just want to highlight for you that there were a couple of value statements that you shared at the beginning of the conversation. And I just want to reflect them back to you. If at any point uh, you continue work on like a mission, vision, values type situation, um, which were autonomy and intuition. Um, you talked about having autonomy, you talked about following your intuition, and you also talked about um, I think those were the two for me that stood up uh, and um, collaboration, of course, yeah, autonomy, intuition and collaboration. I would say that if and when you do work on a mission, vision, values piece, those are your values. And you can switch them around and play with them, but I just didn't want to lose those three because it can be really hard sometimes to like nail down your values. But everything that we've talked about during this time has has highlighted and pointed 
directly to those three words for me. Funny that I have a thank you for that. And also funny that while it's clearly a value, because I'm like, yeah, autonomy is super important to me. I also have an aversion to naming it as one of my main values. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder Preparation why. and intuition, I'm like, yes, I am all about it. Autonomy, yeah. I'm like, do I really want to tell people that that's an important value to me? I don't know. I think it's important to a lot of people. And I think that when we're talking about this new way of offering your services, people, your audience has to have autonomy as well. They have to be self-motivated to do this stuff and they're going to do it separately from other people. Autonomy, it, it's a, more people are codependent than are autonomous. So if, if autonomy is something that's important to you, you're not alone. It's important to a lot of people and a lot of people don't know how to name it, don't know how to own it. Um, and if you don't like the word, throw it out, find a different one, replace it. Like I, I, it's not that, I think it's probably what you were saying earlier. I think it's, um, or really early conditioning into believing that that's not really a value worth naming and fighting for. And I would say that you, you know, like collect, like some might say that collaboration is like the total antithesis of autonomy, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that they're complementary. I agree. I think they're complementary. I think to be in a successful collaboration, each person has to be autonomous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So is there anything else that you were hoping that we would talk about or address or work together on um, um, before we start closing out? I mean, I think you, you touched on a lot of it, but I guess um, I'm wondering if you have, I mean, you gave me a lot of areas that I can, that I have opportunity and that I have even room for growth. But that was one of my questions was like, where do you see my biggest area for, for growth and or opportunity? Like whichever one, I know we don't have time for both probably. Yeah. Whichever one jumps out. So for me, I think that I think that you have the best chance of making money from courses, which is why I have driven you there. Um, I think, I think that in terms of your own, your own growth, I think, I think owning your vision for your future and then working towards it and figuring out what, like, I would challenge you to look at everything that you spend your time on and figure out which things give you the return that you're looking for and that you need at this specific stage of your life and what do not, and then release the things that do not to make space for you to step into this. Because I don't see a way to add it to what you're already doing. Um, it seems, you know, you've got a lot of hands and a lot of pots and you also have a, a life outside of, of what you're driven to, to do for money and for passion. Um, so that would be it for me. 
Thank you. It's so funny that you named the time piece because one of the workshops that I've been toying with doing has been about um, time, time management and prioritization. Yeah. Most of the workshops that I end up um, liking doing more than once and want to turn into like an offering are ones that I end up needing for myself. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, that's so that's how it should be. You know, we need, sometimes if you can't find what you need, you have to make it yourself. And that's how so many entrepreneurs get started. You know, yeah. and that, I mean, that's why I do this work is like, I would have, I, I needed it. Yeah. And I, and I got it from some people and didn't and, and, and also didn't and had to do it myself. And so now it's my way of sort of, you know, my personal value of like, I don't know how to name it, but like you turn around and you help the next one through, through the glass ceiling or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I, I like, I, I so respect what you're doing. And part of, I was, I wanted to like soak up this time. And then I was also like, but I want to ask about you. Like, I'm like, how did you, I know you've got like, so you've also got a lot of different pots and I'm wondering like how you juggled it all and how did you build, you know, bone and gold to such a big producing place while also then having these other like side, I don't know what to call them better than hustles, but like these other side gigs. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I'm happy to talk about it a little bit. Um, my original business when I first sort of hung a shingle and got my business license, it was to be a business growth consultant. It was mostly going to be around marketing, around fundraising, around um, sales strategy, sort of the things that I had done in my career up until that point, building community, all about like taking an idea and making it bigger. Like that's, that's how I started my business. And I had several clients and I was making a decent living. I had sort of replaced my previous income with those um, contracts. Um, but I, it got to a point where I just, I didn't love the sort of ongoing contract work, basically just being a bunch of people's marketing director. Um, I, that it just, it started to feel like a job again. And at the same time, I was working with um, some really small to medium female-led businesses and I was helping them like turn the dials, having conversations like this, doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching thing and helping them have like really great success. Mm -hmm. And I sort of looked around and I looked at my husband who's a cinematographer and I looked at our friends who were all in film at the time, all in film production. And I said, well, I've done it for these guys. Why don't I do it, do it for these guys? So that's how I started Bone and Gold. It was originally just going to be this like mom and pop shop, just Drew and me going out. We had done some production stuff before. Um, yeah, so I thought we were just going to go do it that way. And then the more people we started talking to, the more people were like, oh, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. So we built a brand. We built a, I built a pitch deck. I pitched it to a room of 12 people and seven of them said, I want to be on board. And so we sort of started that way. And over time, slowly but surely, I started putting um, more time, more energy into the work that I loved the most, which continued to be the one-on-ones and continued to be the production. And then what happened over the course of six years, um, 
basically a year ago, a year ago, like February, so a year and a month ago, um, my business, you know, earned me personally like 10 times more than my contracts were. And I was like, well, it's probably time to say goodbye to the contracts. Yeah. But it, but it, you know, it had, it took it, I had to earn that much more before I was willing to step out of the stability of the, I know I'm going to make this money every month and step into the, the extreme up and down that is film production. Mm -hmm. And, um, what's funny is that now that, um, for the most part, film productions are halted. I'm now sort of shifting back into offering the, the sort of full service marketing consultant piece. So, so I'm still doing some film, produ film productions. Hopefully they come through. Mm -hmm. um, we're in talks. I don't know if they will or not, but um, I have all these other skills that I'm going to leverage and I'm going to use. But you notice they're not all on the same website. Yeah. You know, and my vision for the future, I want to create a full service, um, a full service creative agency that will do the marketing strategy and the websites and the graphic design and the video and the photo and like all, all the content and all the strategy for business. But that's like another five years from now. Right. So baby steps, but also, you know, it's, you just like, you follow your heart. You know, for me, I followed my heart. I followed the money. I followed the money that I liked making. I started saying no to the money that didn't feel good to make. Um, and I love to work. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I like, I wake up in the morning, like, Hey fam, love you very much. Go to school. Cause mama wants to sit down and work for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So this change has been hard because it's just like, I have to mom a lot right now. Yeah. <laughs> Cause your kids are young, right? Yeah. Oh, and they're gay? oh, they're yeah. Gay. Wow. Yeah. 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 But they're great. They're great. They're great dudes. And they, um, it's really sweet because every Friday night, um, we have a tradition on Shabbat. That's the Jewish Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Um, on Friday night we go around and everybody says something that we're grateful for. And then some for, uh, of like for the family and then something that we're proud of for ourselves. And most nights the little one, thanks his dad for cooking such good food. And the big one thanks me for being such a boss. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so seen. I feel so seen. <laughs> so anyway. That's so sweet. Those are very long answers. Two of my favorite. Well, no, thank you. I, I, I love hearing other people's stories, especially when it's, you know, piecemealing together like a lot of different skill sets like yeah. you've done and especially when it's boldly done with like oh I've got this over here and this over there but there's still this like weaving that happens together between these different skill sets so I think yeah what I'm seeing over and over again is like the people who find the rhythms in their lives that seem to work well for them um, they they find that sweet spot of where their different passions and skills converge in a way that meets a need and solves like a real problem in the world. Yeah. An issue. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing. My pleasure. Yeah. I'm and it's so also cool. To... I was gonna say, it's just also so cool that you're going like 
back to some of the work that started you out because that encourages other people, AKA myself, um, that it's okay to have your hands on a lot of pots and not all of them are gonna always be, I mean, there's no way to have all of them always on the front burner, right? Totally so have that many. So they're totally. always been about rotation for me and knowing that there's going to be time. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's full rotation, full tilt all the yeah. time, but there's going to be times in which one or two are front and center and everything kind of makes its, its way full circle. Yeah. And life is long, you know, life is long if we're lucky and not everything has to happen right now. Yeah. I for sure had that, like, I had to learn that lesson the hard way because literally two weeks after I got my business license is when I found out I was pregnant with our first kid. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm going to have to like back burn something, you know? So, but you know, you do it, you make it through. And then again, you go back and you lift the next person coming through the portal after you. So yeah. I'm so I much love more to talk about. Yeah, there is. And I, I love that you have that value and that perspective of paying it forward. I think that's really, really important. And um, thank you. Thank you for giving me the, the time tonight and for your wisdom. I really, I really appreciate it. And this to-do list is epic. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for, thank you for being with me. Yeah. Thank you. So that's where we'll end, or maybe okay. even earlier, we'll end what we share with people. Um, but how was that for you? Um, it was really good. It was, it felt surprised, apart from the fact that I don't like having weird headphones in my ear. And yeah. I've been like, um, I wish that I was wearing, like, I see why you're wearing those. Yeah. Because um, that, like, the physical discomfort of that and also oh. being, like, blocked from my yeah. So sure. just like physical sensations were a little odd. Yeah. But outside of that experience, um, it felt really natural to like, like I was just talking to you in person. I wasn't really even worried about being recorded. Um, awesome. And yeah, I feel like you really see like what I'm doing. And um, I really appreciate the like high, like the overview, like the higher view that you brought to um, the trajectory that I'm trying to manifest for myself. Oh, good. Well, I really, I believe in it and I believe in you. I mean, I think, I think, I think this is fantastic. And I think, I think that if you have the patience, you know, you really can, you're going to build something that you're going to look back on in 10 years and say, holy smokes, like, look at what I built. And it might not even take that long. Thank you. I'm, I mean, I'm, I told myself when I first set out on this in grad school and like, I like drew my line in the sand and was like, once I had kind of realized what I had realized for myself around creativity as a catalyst for just profound transformation, like starting with myself and moving out from there into the community, there was no going back. Like there's, this is not like a, a phase or like a fad for me. It's just, this is a, a way of life. And um, I'm in it for the long game. I'm, I'm in it until like, there is, that's the thing is also there is no arrival. So yeah, 
um, you know, of course I have these like huge ass goals, but also yeah. I'm okay with it just being a journey too. And totally. trying, to, trying to make a difference as much as I can along the way. And um, yeah, real, realize, realize my potential and help other people do that along the way. That's my ultimate goal. And so just trying to figure out like what form that takes. Yeah. Um, you know, is that like, is it coaching? Is it courses? Is it some, you know, amazing combination of the two or. Sure. 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 But it's not, but like, but you know, but you know what the core is. Right. And so it's like, as long as you're always working towards that, then nothing is outside of your wheelhouse. Like nothing, nothing doesn't make sense. You know, as long as you're still like rooted in that foundational vision, anything you try works. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you go, and as you, um, as you start sort of making things and trying to figure out how to market them and trying to figure out how to like talk about them and share them and sell them and all of that, if you feel like you need another session um, or more, what I, um, I'm going to be updating it on my website. I sort of tried to like, I tried this thing that other other people who do what I do do, but it doesn't fit for me. So I'm going to change it back to my previous operating model, which is that basically people get to pick their price for their sessions. So people who are like really strapped for cash versus someone who's like works for Google and is like building their side business at the same time and is like fully funded, um, they pay a different rate. Um, but on average people pay about $200 a session and it scales down and scales up from there. So just to put that bug in your, in your ear, if such time comes and you're like, I really need a marketing strategy, or I really need to talk through this big challenge or whatever, like you can be back in touch with me and say, here's what I've got. Like, does it work for you? And we can figure something out. Um, and if you don't ever need that, I'm still excited to like, <laughs> well, I'm still excited to follow along and see what you do and see how you uh, showcase yourself. And um, if you ever have any little questions along the way, or hey, how does this look? Or hey, what do you think about that? Always feel free to shoot me a message and ask. And I'm happy to give my two cents as you go. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you, you know, being so transparent in your process around that as well. And um, I will no doubt need input along the way. And I think um, that you're going back to your original model is going to be really appealing to the audience that you're seeming to really want to help the most right now. Uh, or at least the people in my, in my phase who are like still bootstrapping it and yeah. kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for, for putting that out there. I, I will definitely be taking you up on that at some point. Well, this was a great conversation. I loved it. You've been listening to Going Legit. I hope you're walking away with a new idea, a new perspective, or perhaps a new sense of what might be possible. Please take a moment to send a silent wish of hope to our subject. It takes vulnerability and bravery to step up in such a bold and public way. And for that, we can all be grateful. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, you can apply at goinglegit.co. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey, in partnership with my partner in all things, Drew. 
It was recorded while the kids slept and edited while they watched TV because you gotta do what you gotta do. Going Legit is executive produced by Bone and Gold. Our original music was composed by the wildly talented Taylor Joshua Rankin. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and please, please, please share with your friends. You can follow me online at Rachel Blair Dorsey. Thanks for listening.